This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, Steve Alexander. And Raphael Johnson here for the Thursday, February 3rd edition of the Round Ball Stew. Roth, how's it going and who do you have in the Super Bowl? I'm going pretty, I'm doing well. Uh, as for the Super Bowl, I don't really know. I don't really follow the NFL like that, so I, I don't know who I, I'd have there. But I kind of hope Cincinnati wins it just because they've never won a Super Bowl before. So I guess we'll go with the Bengals there. Good answer. Good answer. I'm I'm representing Cincinnati with my uh, Skyline Chili okay. shirt today. That is a that is a Cincinnati thing. I grew up close to there in Indianapolis. Um, saw saw a lot of games in Cincinnati growing up. Like Joe Burrow a lot. Also, Matt Stafford is from. He went to the University of Georgia, which is kind of where I live. So I, I don't really care who wins. I think I'm sort of pulling for the Bengals and Joe Burrow, sort of like you are. And that kicker McPherson's really fun, mm-hmm. but uh, I won't be sad if if the Rams win either. So hopefully we get a good game. Roth, do you have uh, curling fever now that the Olympics are here? I gotta be honest with you, I, I can't say that I do, but it, it tends to be the sport that gets people fired up on Twitter when the Winter Olympics come around. Yeah, I uh, I'm my buddy and I Zach watch a lot of curling, especially when the USA men's team is is throwing rocks and a. I had it on uh, last night because it's the even though the Olympics, the opening ceremonies haven't happened or anything mm-hmm. yet, uh, they are underway and it's a lot of curling right now. It's on uh, the USA Network at all times, which is sort of replaced NBC Sports Network yeah. as far as far as I understand it. Uh, so if you if you've got a jonesing for some curling, uh, get out there mm-hmm. on USA and check it out because uh, hopefully hopefully it's it's uh, fun. But yeah, it's a it's a weird sport. First time you watch it, you're like, what am I doing? Uh, okay. Rafa and I are going to cover sort of the replacements uh, that are going off in this silly season, this endless silly season that we're in the middle of. So we're going to look at guys who sort of filled in for the most part and went off. Now, the first guy I'm starting with that doesn't really fit into that mold quite as much. Um, Marcus Aldridge has been out. Nick Claxton has been in. Nick Claxton has been one of those upside players that everybody's kind of excited about, but he doesn't really do a lot. Well, he did a lot on uh, Wednesday night when he had 23 points, 11 boards, what, five blocks against Mm -hmm. the freaking Sacramento Kings. And the Kings actually beat the Nets to hand them their sixth straight loss. Unbelievable. Roth, do you trust Nick Claxton? I think at this point I do. Um, If anything, my question would be more about how Steve Nash handles the rotation especially when LaMarcus Aldridge is in the, in the fold there. Um, we've seen him do some kind of screwy things with certain guys where one night they don't play at all, then the next they'll, they'll, they'll figure prominently in the rotation. I think Claxton is past that point to where he'll be a consistent rotation piece for that team moving forward. And, yeah, I, I think I trust him at this point. And also, 
that was a good matchup. We've seen opposing centers light up the Kings all season long, and this just happened to be Nick Claxton's turn to do it. Yeah, my trust level with Claxton, I guess, is I trust him enough not to drop him at this point because this may this will probably end up being his best line of the season, I would say, until maybe the, the last week, week and a half of, this, of the season, if I was guessing. Aldridge should come back, maybe hurt him a little bit, and, and he's not going to get to play the Kings every night. Unfortunately, I had to make a decision in one of my leagues, and I dropped Claxton maybe on Monday, maybe on Sunday, somewhere in there. And it stings a little seeing that line because it would have been nice to have, but it is what it is. He, he was the, the worst player on my team. But generally, I'm in favor of hanging on to Claxton uh, any way you can right now. Uh, while we're at, at that game, Ralph, James Harden was horrific on Wednesday night. I don't have his line in front of me. He was just awful. He had like 12 assists, six rebounds, and and – really didn't look for his offensive game at all. And, you know, Twitter was like full of people who are watching him. What's he doing? He looks different. Like we've seen Harden have some off nights in the past, but this one just felt, felt a little weird. Yeah. Um, 4.7 rebounds, 12 assists, one block, six turnovers. And he was two of 11 from the field, missed all five of his three pointers. Yeah. It was a brutal night for him. You know, to some extent, the Kings look to deny Harden and Kyrie Irving at every opportunity they could. Make the other guys beat us, even with the effort of Nicholas Claxton. The Nets weren't able to do that. That being said, I agree. Something did not seem right. He looked a bit lethargic out there. I don't know if it's the right hand injury that is still bothering him a bit. He's left-handed. Some people would argue, so it shouldn't be too much of a concern if he's out there. But, yeah, you got a team that's lost six straight. Um, they got a couple more on the road here. I think they, what is it? Let's see here. Yeah, you've got Utah on Friday, then Denver on Sunday. Those are going to be decent matchups because of the injuries that both those teams are dealing with. But, yeah, something does not seem right with James Harden right now. The other crazy thing about Brooklyn is if you look at the standings right now, they are in sixth place in the mm-hmm. East. They're only – Two and a half games up on being on the Hornets. So they're they're in jeopardy of having to play into the playoffs, which I don't think anybody saw that coming. But then again, Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving have played, what, like four games together their entire uh, time. Now, it's more than that, but it's not very many. 14, maybe. So they're just... They're just reeling, and and I think I saw something. You know, Harden's going to explore his options next year. I I don't know, man. This just had a weird feel to it for me. I didn't I didn't necessarily uh, love it. Okay, let's move on to Oklahoma City, where a guy named Trey Mann stepped up. Twenty nine points, three assists, a steal, a block, six triples on Wednesday. He was really trying to get to thirty points. Uh, speaking of thirty points, Lou Dort had thirty points, six boards. Six triples. It's silly season in Oklahoma City. And we don't know when we're going to see Shady Gilgis Alexander again. And this also reminds me that my guy uh, Darius Baisley had a double-double and a nice nice game last night. So out of all these Oklahoma City guys, I'll call them, uh, who are you most excited about? I don't know if I'd call it excitement, but I think Mann is the one that I'd be looking at here. Um, I think he's a better shooter than Lou Dort, you know, to be honest with you. And also, I think SGA is probably going to be out until the All-Star break at minimum. So you got a little more time to get some value there. 
But the thing that concerns me is that we've seen some some weird things go on with that rotation. Like recently, Jeremiah Robinson Earl played a G League game, and he's been in the starting lineup for how long now? Like that's kind of weird to me to send a guy who's been starting to the G League um, for a game. You know, so I think a guy like Trey Mann, a performance like like last night, should set him up to continue on that path. But again, with the Thunder and seeming desire to lose games. You know, I don't know what's going to happen there in terms of how he's going to play. So I think Dort would probably be the safer play, even with his erratic shooting. But man, I think has a little bit more in a way of upside offensively right now. Yeah. I would rank them if I was, you know, I was trying to decide who to pick up from OKC right now in a 10 team league. And maybe they're all available. I, I'd rank them Lou Dort, then Trey man. And then, uh, Baisley, just because we've seen Dort kind of do it all year. Now, granted, there's been inconsistency there. Baisley's been highly inconsistent. Baisley will have like two good weeks, and you pick him up, and then he disappears for a week, and, and Lou Dort goes crazy. But with SGA gone, I think there's room for all three of those guys to uh, to go off. Let's, let's look at their schedule. If, I mean, if OKC was playing four games like they are this week and next week, uh, the week we're currently in, which is, of course – halfway over uh, but they got a four game week this week they play four times next week so to me that makes Trey Mann Lou Dort and Baisley they they should be rostered everywhere imaginable I would think with that four game week we've got Luca here to talk about I'm not really going to get into it except throw out there he had 40 points and five triples uh, and they lost uh, but Luca Luca's Luca's looking pretty good he, he you know catches heat for not being able to stay healthy but um He's putting up some some pretty monstrous fantasy numbers, Ralph. Yeah, there's really not much more to say about that there. You know, you know what you're going to get with him so long as he's healthy. So, And that's all I got to say about that. Uh, Reggie Bullock, big night last night, 23 points, eight boards, uh, three steals, five three-pointers. Three steals and five triples is nothing to sneeze at. That was against that Oklahoma City uh, team we were talking about. Bullock is quietly not only uh, touted the best hair in the NBA, Ralph, but he's he's a fifth round value um, over the last couple weeks, and he's only rostered in like ten percent, eight percent, something like that of Yahoo leagues. Now I got into a into a little spat, we'll call it. It was a friendly spat on Twitter with a gentleman who was annoyed with a Jonas's blurb about Reggie Bullock and that Jonas did not throw a run, don't walk to your waiver wire to get Bullock at the end of it. This guy was arguing that in the past week, Bullock's been like a top 10 player. Maybe he has. The, the key for Bullock is that Tim Hardaway Jr. went down and is out for the year. So Bullock is going to get run. He's going to play. Now, I think Jalen Brunson has kind of cooled off a little bit. Bullock's sort of stepped up a little bit. So I don't know that it's going to last the whole season, but where do you stand on the Reggie Bullock train, Ralph? I'm on the bandwagon. I think you need to pick him up um, because this is like an enhanced version of the role that Dallas brought him in for, be it that 3 and D guy for them. I don't expect 23 and 8 with five three-pointers on a nightly basis, but as you noted with the Tim Hardaway Jr. injury, he's going to have every opportunity to contribute. So, I think this point you should get them. They got two more games this week, only a three game week next week, but there's still ample opportunities to kind of cash in if you pick him up. And like you noted, he's available in a lot of leagues still. Yeah, he's available everywhere. My only issue 
is the schedule, but we got to keep in mind the all-star break is coming up. The thing is like week 18, a lot of teams play three games and then there's two other teams that play one time that week and a bunch that play two. So if you play three games in that week, that's, that's a good thing. But for week 17, next week, Dallas plays three times and then they play two, two for the all-star break. And then they have three, four, three. So you only get one four game week out of the next six if you're rolling with Luca or Reggie Bullock, but like I said, that three game week, week 18 is sort of, or it's actually it's a two game week, uh, but it's, it's not terrible because everybody else is playing two games too. So uh, could I make, could I make that any more confusing? <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NFL postseason is here, and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. Get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use promo code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It's easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus. Roth, moving on to Zaire Williams. Uh, blew up for 21 points, four boards, three assists, a steal, three triples for the Memphis Grizzlies. Dylan Brooks is supposed to be back someday. And when that happens, I think that's going to hurt Zaire Williams. Where are you with Williams right now? Like, Is he an ad right now? I believe he is. Um, you know, I, I don't think I don't expect him to shoot nine of eleven from the field on a nightly basis like he did last night. But he's shooting about fifty-four percent from the field over the last two weeks. So he's taking advantage of his opportunities. And it, it, you can see some guys, especially rookies, can kind of get lost in the shuffle offensively when you have dominant offensive players like the Grizzlies have. But that hasn't happened with him. So I think right now you probably you know look at see if he can cash in on his recent run of success, but be ready to drop him once Dylan Brooks is back in the rotation. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. They play three times next week. I think Zaire Williams is is worth a look for that week. But when Dylan Brooks gets back, it's going to get dicey. And also Zaire Williams is, is hot right now and getting a lot of minutes. So <laughs> Memphis is not one of those teams that's going to be a silly season funhouse because of how good they are. So uh, once they're back at full strength, I think Williams is probably going to be a borderline play, but I'm fine with rolling the dice on him right now. Roth, I probably gave you a heart attack because I skipped right over 
a gentleman who went off the Indiana Pacers last night as the blizzard was coming in to the to the city. Let's talk about that Pacer game last night because one, they got beat by Orlando, which is just sad. They gave up a 17 point lead. They were without all their centers. So when you read that Demonis Sabonis was out and um, the other big man, uh, Miles Turner, Goga Miles Turner's out. Goga Batadza, all of them were out last night. Isaiah Jackson, who we have seemingly talked a lot about on these podcasts, was lined up to have a monster game against uh, the Magic. And first defensive possession of the game, he goes down with a sprained ankle. We don't see him again. He plays zero minutes, has zero stats, and. I had him in every DFS lineup. Almost everybody else did too because of the reasons we talked about. Had him in some real lineups. So it was a huge bummer. I'm sitting there with this game on because I had to write it up. And I'm like, who's going to step up now? Is it going to be Tory Craig? Well, Ralph, it was a 6'5 shooting guard named Terry Taylor out of Austin P, who racked up 24 points, 16 boards, both career highs. He'd only played in like seven NBA games. Uh, hit a three-pointer. He fouled out at the end, and it was just – it was really cool to see him out there at 6'5 and just balling with Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba, and what a, what a cool story. It's just too bad that he couldn't celebrate it with a Pacers win. That may rank up there as probably the most shocking performance by a player this season um, because of the size factor that you noted. You know, that they're asking a six-foot-five guy in a two-way contract to play center, and – Bad things could have happened there, but obviously they lost the game. But it could have been a, a whole lot worse for the Pacers. I think a lot of people expected that. But Terry Taylor stepped up. I think fantasy-wise, Torrey Craig would be the better option moving forward um, just because of what he can give you on a consistent basis. And I think he's a, built a little bit better to potentially be used in the front court if they have to go that route. But um, you've got three centers already hurt. Who knows how much time t- uh, Jackson is going to miss, so – Terry Taylor, if you wanted to roll the dice on anyone, I guess now's as good a time as any to do it. Well, and the fact that Torrey Craig had 22 points, five three-pointers, which is a career high, and is actually fantasy relevant this season was actually one of the more surprising stories in the NBA, I think. And then Terry Taylor was like, hold my beer, Torrey Craig. <laughs> I'm going to go out here and shock the world. But you're, you're right, like – the Vegas odds on Terry Taylor having 16 rebounds in that game would have been – I mean, he would have, you would have won a lot of money had you bet on that, if you would have been able to bet on that. But I'm sure – I doubt there were any Terry Taylor prop bets happening uh, at the Mirage. Okay, Trent Forrest for the Utah Jazz started – came back from an injury, started that game. No Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert, no Joe Ingles. Lots of guys sitting this one out. He kind of went off. 18 points, 8 assists, a 3-pointer. And what do you think about that? Good night for him. Um, you know, I, I think the problem is the schedule. They only play one more game this week and then three next week. That could be helpful for the Jazz in terms of getting some of those players back. Um, that being said, it really doesn't do much for Trent Forrest as a fantasy option. Like, I don't know. Maybe throw him into a DFS lineup, but in terms of like a season-long fantasy league, I don't think he's he's very relevant just because of that schedule. Yeah, I I, I think the loss of Ingles makes him at least relevant 
because Ingles is done for the year. Yeah. And then Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell. If those guys aren't going to play, then I'm rolling Trent Forrest all day long. But if Clarkson and Mitchell are healthy and, and in the lineup, it's going to be really hard to, to play Trent Forrest. So if you see the Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell and Clarkson are not going to play on the night, that's when you fire up Trent Forrest. Uh, let's go to Denver. Bryn Forbes had a huge night, 26 points, four three-pointers. He only had one turnover. It was a big one with the game on the line and, and a close game in the fourth quarter, and he was really upset when it happened. I was watching that game, but um, finally had a big night as a nugget. I think what, Ralph, he's been in – he scored 20 points five times this season. They've been few and far between. I think his season high was 27, so he just missed that. His previous game, I believe he had – three points. So are you buying into what Bryn Forbes did on Wednesday or was that a fluke? I'm kind of in between. Uh, he scored 14 or more in three of his last four games. So I don't know if I would dismiss it completely as a fluke. That being said, you know, I, I think he's more of an option for managers who are in need of three pointers exclusively because he's not going to give you too much in the other areas. So They've got two more games to play this week. So if you're in a head-to-head -head matchup where you need extra three-pointers, I think it might not be the, the worst idea to pick them up and just see what you get there. Uh, yeah, they've only got um, – oh, I'm looking at Utah. Denver Denver has two games left this week. Mm -hmm. Then they go 3-2-3-3. Three, three, three. That's not bad. They play three in a week where other teams only play one or two. So that's not bad. Uh, I think Brent Forbes is worth a look. Denver had a lot of guys out last night also. Uh, that Denver-Utah game was basically shell team versus shell team. There was no yeah. Nicole Jokic. There was no Rudy Gobert. But Monty Morris was playing. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think Brent Forbes is – I'm intrigued by him. I'd like to see him do the, something like this again before I, before I dive in. Going to Washington, D.C., Spencer Dinwiddie. 14 points, 12 boards, 10 assists. Roth, were you surprised to find out that he'd never had a triple-double before? Um, No. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I, I spoke plenty about Spencer on yesterday's podcast. For me, it's basically a case of you just take what you can get from him fantasy-wise at this point. He has 4 of 16 from the field, so he pretty much torpedoed your field goal percentage if you had him rostered. But he hasn't been a very good fantasy option for much of his career, and – I don't think that's going to change even with Bradley Beal sidelined either. Yeah. I mean, Dinwiddie's too good to drop. He's not available in any leagues. You don't have to start him if it's a busy Wednesday and you've got a full lineup. But hopefully you had him in that lineup last night. And you talk about torpedoing your shooting percentage. I don't know, Roth, if this guy's on, on our list to talk about anywhere on here because I didn't, I didn't study maybe as much as I should have for this. But – I was. I wanted to run over the box score of Robert Covington from last night. Rocco missed all eight of his shots and was 0 for 6 from three-point land and did not score a point in the game. But he had 13 rebounds, nine assists, four steals, and a block, which that is – that's just a perfect Robert Covington line. Mm -hmm. Like, it says something when, you, when a guy can tank his field goals – for an entire game and, and hurt your hurt you in that category in fantasy. But as, if he comes through in four other categories, um, it takes a lot of the sting out of it and you can live with it. And that's why, that's why people hang on to Robert Covington, even though he's one of the more frustrating players to roster in fantasy. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. They'd probably win that game if he makes a couple shots, to be honest with you. So probably. Kyle Kuzma had 24 points, seven boards, another monster stat line. Do you think Kuzma's a sell high candidate because Bradley Beal's sideline now? We don't know when Beal's coming back. They added some games on to his absence and go ahead. Do, we, do you think uh, Kuzma's a sell high candidate? I don't know if he's a sell high, but I do think he's someone that maybe you toss some feelers out there to see what you can get and kind of, you know, propose to the opposing managers like, look, Bradley Beal's out. Kuzma is basically Washington's most effective fantasy option at this point and see what you can potentially get for him. So I don't, I get so high, I probably wouldn't say that, but I think he's Washington's best fantasy guy. And maybe you can get something a little bit more than you normally would just because of the Beal factor. Maybe, maybe. But my thing is, will will we even see Beal play another game for the Wizards? Because the trade deadline's coming. He's got, he's got, he can opt out this summer, I think. So they either need to move him now or lose him for nothing later on. And I don't think Beal's going to – there's no way he makes it through the deadline still on the Washington Wizards. So I don't know that Beal's coming back. I think Kuzma has been awesome all year. So as far as sell high, I don't know if that really works. And it's not like he, he put up some crazy stat line on Wednesday doing more of what he – doing more than what he normally does. But to your point – selling point if you want to try to move Kuzma's hey Bradley Beal's hurt Kuzma's the only guy that's going to do anything in Washington and and do you want to take advantage of that for the next week or so um Washington goes three games three games two games three games three games there's nothing great there they do finish up four 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 to end the season if your league goes that long uh Kuzma could be a difference maker in the fantasy playoffs any other thoughts on him, Roth? No, I think we summed it up quite well. Another thing why I'm just glancing at the schedule here, the, the Cavaliers play five games the week of March 28th. Now, a lot of leagues have wrapped up by then, but if yours is still playing that late, they have a five-game week with one week left in the regular season after that. So uh, if you can stock up on Cavs, if you think you're going to make a deep playoff run, it's not a bad idea. P.J. Washington moved into the starting lineup for the Hornets last night, had 16.7 boards, four triples, played 42 minutes. Uh, he got the spot start. The, Gordon Hayward has been out, so they, they put uh, whichever Martin twin plays for Charlotte, they put him on the bench and let P.J. Washington get a start. I think it was only his fifth start of the season. Uh, he played pretty well. I've been disappointed in him since he hasn't been starting this season. Kind of tough to roster, but but as you note in the notes, he's he's on sixty three percent of Yahoo teams. Where do you stand with PJ Washington? I think last night had a lot to do with the matchup. You know, going up against the Celtics, where you have Robert Williams and Al Horford starting. That's probably why he was out there. He got off to a good start and played well, so they left him out there for forty two minutes. So I think that was that had a lot more to do with his performance than anything. But you look at their center position with Mason Plumlee, he's not going to be – he's dependable, but he's not the most prolific center. So, obviously, Washington's going to play, that which explains why he's still rostered in 63% of Yahoo League. So, he's not a great option, but I kind of feel like he's someone that you kind of have to have on your roster in standard leagues right now. Ralph, I love monorails 
one of our viewers just mm-hmm. asked a question, where is Matt Strop at? And somebody said, he'll be here tomorrow. And he's like, oh, I love, I love that guy. Yeah. So no, Matt Strop is off on Thursdays. This is m- me hosting with Raphael every Thursday. If you love Matt Straub, Thursday is not your day. I get it, man. I love Matt Straub too. He's hilarious. Uh, Thursday is not your day, but if you can handle Roth and I for 40 minutes on Thursdays, uh, we'll get you through it. It'll, it'll be okay. Marcus smart, man, went nuts for the Celtics. 22 points, four boards, six assists, full stat line, probably his best game of the season. Maybe his most efficient game of the season. Thought it was interesting that uh, Marcus Smart scored 22 and Josh Richardson scored 23 points. Those were your two leading scorers for the Celtics on a night when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both played. That was weird. Al Horford, six points, 12 boards, two threes. It's been really quiet um, for Al Horford for a long stretch now. And He's starting to bum me out. Like, I, I kind of want to drop him, but he, he's too good to drop. I don't really know what to do. Like, where are you with with Al Horford? Would you consider dropping Al for Marcus Smart or another big man? I mean, at this point, I think I'd rather have Nick Claxton than Horford. If if you can find a big of that, that caliber on your waiver wire, I think you have to think long and hard about pulling the trigger on that. Um, if it's Claxton, for example, I think I would make that switch, but – Horford it, still being a starter, I think he's in a spot where you, you really can't drop him. Like we've seen some of these guys where they, their production doesn't really match up with, with, with their place within a rotation, which puts you in a tough spot deciding, do I drop him? Do I, because you can't really trade him. Like the, the value really isn't there to get something in return for an Al Horford. But yeah, I don't know if you're going to be able to find a good enough big to justify dropping him in like standard or standard leagues. Isaiah Jackson, we don't know the status on his ankle injury yet. When he does, when we do get it, it's going to it's gonna make an impact of whether people hold on to him or drop him. So I think that's one possibility. And, and as it stands today with not knowing about Isaiah's uh, ankle injury, Ralph, would you rather have Isaiah or Nick Claxton or Al Horford? That's a good question. I think I would lean Claxton right now. But the thing with, with Jackson is that remove the ankle injury from the equation here. We don't know what the pace is going to look like in a week, week and a half. You know, if they move a Sabonis or a Turner, then you can, then you like them even more. But if they don't do anything, they can put those guys on ice, obviously, if they're, they're well out of the playoff picture. But I don't know. You would hope that Jackson, once healthy, would be in a spot where he gets to play a lot of minutes. But I don't know if we're going to know the answer to that until after the trade deadline. Yep. And they could move Sabonis and Turner, which that would be, mm-hmm. I mean, Isaiah Jackson, we, I, Ryan started talking about him like a month and a half ago and yeah. I kind of blew it off. But man, the closer we get to the trade deadline, the more fun he looks. I'm just hoping that his ankle turn wasn't so bad. I hope it's not one of those deals where he's out for three or four weeks, man. I, I just hope and usually when a guy hurts his ankle, they tape him back up and throw him out there, and you don't really learn until the next day. But that that injury happened so early in the game, he wasn't already like totally warmed up and, and to that point. So I just hope it's not a three- or four-week deal on Isaiah. Jalen Green for the Rockets, 21 points, five boards, five assists, three triples. One of his best all-around games of the season. It's kind of been 
off the radar as far as rankings go. Is he worth picking up right now? Rough um, silly season is either here or on the way. So what do you think about Jalen Green? I think he is worth picking up. Now that's going to come with the uh, the concern about field goal percentage. That's been a big reason why he's been so low in the rankings for much of the season. But, you know, last night, five rebounds, five assists, in addition to the 21 points. I think that was the most encouraging thing for me. He's starting to do some things in areas other than scoring. That would be why I would kind of roll the dice on him right now. But you do so with the understanding that more often than not, the field goal percentage is going to be low 40s at best in a lot of these games. Yeah, the only problem is Houston, again, only plays two games uh, next week. I've never, I don't recall seeing a team playing two games in five out of seven weeks or something. Like it's just two games every week for those guys. They play twice next week. Other teams play four times and three times. So that's going to make Jalen Green a little bit tough. It's also going to make Alperin Shangoon a little tough. Now, Ralph, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think at least I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll say me, I have been wrong about Shangoon. I kind of thought by now, We'd see him blowing up a little bit. They do They do plan on playing him alongside Christian Wood some going forward. They did that last night. He only had nine points and eight boards in 25 minutes. Uh, I have moved on. I've dropped him everywhere. He's 28% rostered in Yahoo. Thing is, we're finally getting closer to the trade deadline. We're finally getting closer to, to silly season. So if you didn't hold on to Shen Goon this whole time and you want to go pick him up now, like now seems the time we should be picking this guy up. Yeah, I agree completely with that. There's really no excuse for them to not play him about 30 minutes a night at this point. You know, I'm sure Christian Wood, if they want to, if they want to entertain trade offers for him, they can get some decent value in return if they want to do that there. Daniel Tice could be a guy who could help out a playoff team too. So I think Shangun is going to, his minutes should continue to increase. And that partnership with Wood seemed to work pretty well on both ends of the floor last night. So you had to like what you saw from him in that game, and I think he's only going to play more moving forward. I would just like to apologize for everybody who picked him up two months ago and sat on him for so long. (laughs) It was not fun. And two games next week. So, I I mean, you can't really do much with that next week, but it's coming. I I still think he's going to be a good player. Uh, Jay Garcia Jam wants to know our thoughts on Davion Mitchell, who just happens to be the next dude we're going to talk about. Davion Mitchell, four games in a row. He started at 18 points, five boards, three assists last night, a couple three-pointers. De'Aaron Fox has been out for six games. His name's in trade talks, apparently. What do you think about Davion Mitchell right now? He's playing well. I think he's playing the best basketball of his rookie season, you know, since going into the starting lineup. Um, there's consistency in terms of his role and how the Kings are using him. And that, that's really worked out in his favor. So if he's available, I think now is the time to definitely hop on that bandwagon and pick him up. So good run of form for, for Mitchell as far. Yeah, I was able to pick him up the day before yesterday and throw him into my lineup last night. I'm kind of excited about it because I, it feels like he should have been playing more all along and, and, the Kings and silly season. I think Davion Mitchell could really do some, some cool stuff. So uh, Chemezi Matu, 11 points, 11 boards, a couple blocks, a couple threes, three of 10 from the field. Where are you with him, Ralph? He's been like a guy that we've discussed in this podcast, multiple occasions throughout the season. feels like whenever the Kings lose someone to the injury, 
his name comes up. So, yeah, I don't, let me pull up their schedule really quick. I think, I next think they week, have two. I think they have two games left this week, and then they play three, yeah, three next, next week. week. Yeah. So, you know, you got a back-to-back against Minnesota early next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So, I guess you go ahead and get him right now if he's still available. Because it seems quite clear that he's going to get rotation minutes moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, Sac- Sacramento plays Thursday and Saturday, mm-hmm. which is pretty good because a lot of teams are off Thursday and Saturday. If you want to pick up Chemezi and throw him out there for tonight and Saturday, I think that's a I think that's a good idea. You know, I've got this schedule uh, thing pulled up. Washington had Washington and Utah only have one game left this week. Let's see if there's anybody with three left out there for this week real quick uh detroit has minnesota on thursday boston on friday and minnesota on sunday so if you can get any pistons maybe kelly olenic who had a bunch of turnovers the other night is sitting out there Corey joseph has looked pretty good frank jackson's looked pretty decent uh three games left for those guys three games left for the chicago bulls and my man io Io Silver away, and then your Atlanta Hawks, Roth, my Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, three games remaining. There may be a one that I missed in there, but those look like the three game, three gamers that are left to me. Uh, okay, moving on. Davion Mitchell, I'm in. Uh, Chimezi Matu, I'm in for the next for the Thursday Saturday gig. I would not. I might go look at him when we're done here and, and see if I can get him somewhere for those two games. Uh, Norm Powell, Powell, 30 points, five boards, five triples for the Blazers. Shot it well from the foul line. Where are you with him? Are you, are you trading Norm Powell? Are you hanging on to him? Uh, is he a shutdown candidate, given that Dame Willard may shut it down? And if he shuts it down, I think the Blazers are going to shut it down. What do you think? I'm holding on to him because if you look at the – the available backcourt options, who are they going to play if they decide to shut down Powell and C.J. McCollum while keeping Lillard out? You've got Anthony Simons, obviously, but after that, it pretty much becomes a joke if they were to say, you know, we're just going to not play these guys. So I think I don't. I, he may get the occasional night off that, that may infuriate fantasy managers, but I don't think it's going to get to the point where they say we're not going to play him at all. And they're not too far out of that play-in tournament spot, too. And, and Portland just feels like a franchise that's just going to try to go all out to get into that spot, even though it really, I don't know, it really won't do much in terms of being a title contender, obviously. Yeah, I, I think where I am with Norman Powell is if I've got him, I'm just going to keep riding him until the wheels fall off. If somebody makes you an offer or you want to make some trade offers, see what you can get for him, I don't think that's a terrible idea. As long as uh, Dame Lillard's not playing, I think Powell's going to go off. And, you know, I've always been kind of a Powell guy in fantasy. I, I feel like he flies under the radar every year, and it, he's a pretty good player. But I'm probably just going to ride it out until the wheels fall off if I've got him. Carmelo Anthony, 24 points, eight boards, five triples. A lot of people had five triples last night, Ralph. Been a fifth-round player over the last two weeks. He's rostered in 58% of Yahoo leagues. Hopefully the Lakers are pulling the plug on the Stanley Johnson experiment because he started last night, uh, got into some early foul trouble, played just 17 minutes. And then, you know, he didn't really play in the second half with Carmelo Anthony there. I don't know that he needs to play in front of Melo. So LeBron's out 
for a minute. What do you think? Uh, where are you with Carmelo Anthony? I think he's a must-have right now. Um, because of the LeBron injury, they're kind of lacking in terms of consistent scoring options. You got Anthony Davis, of course, but other guys, while they've had their moments, haven't really been consistent. You know, Russell Westbrook scored nine points last night. Uh, he's like three or twelve from the field. Malik Monk, we've seen him have his occasional explosion, but it's kind of gone, kind of gone up and down. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker really hasn't given anybody anything all season long. So I think Melo's in a spot where if he's available, you can't hesitate to pick him up because he's going to be gone if you do. Um, and Stanley's out there because they need defense. You know, defense has been an issue for the Lakers for much of the season. That's why he's still starting. But obviously, you're going to take Melo over him if we're talking fantasy production. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Taylor Horton Tucker in the dunk contest along with my guy Onyeke Akanwu. Uh, but as far as putting him on your fantasy team, as far as THC goes, no, no, thank you. Uh, Kongu, though, I'm, I'm cool with owning, uh, having on my roster right now because he's he's fun. Uh, Rafa, are you cool with taking a couple of questions? Yeah, let's, let's do it. We got about three minutes. We can do this. Uh, this is kind of a hard one from Zero Freeman, but I'm just going to throw it out there. We'll see what we'll see. It's a, it's a long, there's too many, too many names in here, but we're going <laughs> to do it. Rank my centers. I need to drop one or two. Brandon Clark, Kelly Olenek, Nick Claxton, Gafford. Evan Mobley, Roth. Out of those guys, I think it's down to Clark, Kelly Olynyk, and Gafford. Right? If you had to drop two of those guys, which one would you keep? I would keep Brandon Clark. Um, he's coming off the bench on a nightly basis, but it feels like there's some consistency in what he's going to give you. Um, so I would, I would keep him. Olynyk probably I'd rank second of those three, just because we've seen him have some big nights. What the Pistons do with him at the trade deadline, do they keep him? Do they play him if they keep him? That's going to be the question for him. And Gafford, I think like a lot of people, I'm just done with the Wizards center rotation from a fantasy standpoint. Obviously, no Thomas Bryant clears room for, for Gafford to stay in that starting lineup and play a lot. But I, I don't really like – putting my eggs in that basket, so to speak. So he would be the one that, that I would definitely drop out of those three. Yeah. My apologies to so free man. It so wasn't. Free. Oh, free man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I'm keeping Clark and then I'm keeping a Linux second and Gafford is the guy that goes uh, Kelly Olenek. I still think even though Jared Johnson sends me text messages every single night about how terrible <laughs> Uh, what do they call him? The lunch lady. Awesome <laughs> <laughs> lunch lady. Tells me how terrible he is. I'm like, bro, he's got all those assists tonight. He's like, yeah, he's got six turnovers too. But I still think Kelly Olenek is going to shock the world um, before this is all over. Dav2099 uh, just asked the question of the year. Um, we've all been there. Everybody who's played fantasy this year has probably either added or dropped Chris Boucher at some point in some format. Uh, he dropped Boucher on Wednesday night. Will I regret this? Uh, no. Prof? No, you won't regret it. Um, Ken Birch has been out with a broken nose. Should be back pretty soon. And it, it, it's quite obvious that uh, – Nick Nurse prefers more rugged centers, and Chris Boucher is not that type of player. So 
you may have the occasional explosion, but in terms of dropping him, you're not going to regret that at all, I don't think. Can Nick Nurse not just trade him already? Like, why can we not get Boucher away from Nick Nurse? Because it's killing me. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that he is going to regret it, but not long term. At some point, Boucher is gonna go on a run. Like, look, look at this. He he scored in double figures in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight games in nine out of ten. He was racking up rebounds. He had three double-doubles during that stretch. He had a bunch of steals. He was blocking shots. He was hitting threes, playing 30 minutes every night, and bam. We get into January 26th. He plays 29 minutes and scores nine points with four fouls. Next night, 12 minutes, one point. Next night, 21 minutes, three points, one shot. Next night, 18 minutes, one one shot, two points. Like it, it's cyclical with Boucher because as soon as you drop him and as soon as you write him off and as soon as you say, I'm never doing that again, he's gonna bounce back with a 32 minute, 22 point, 13 rebound, three three pointer, three block bonanza. And then you're gonna be like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? And then he'll play like 11 minutes the next game. So that's just that's just how it is with Boucher. There's there's no way, no way to get around it, um, unfortunately. Um, let's see, Ralph. Anything else? We already talked enough about Reggie Bullock. Here's one. Here's one that I haven't thought about. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to check it out. This is the way it says as though Shaber set a pickup with all the injuries in Indy. My question be is O'Shea Brissett himself healthy? He's injured himself. That's the problem. <laughs> that was going to be my question because I like O'Shea Brissett. Like yeah. he's really healthy, and and the Pacers are doing what they're doing right now. Like he's a guy. Like in the past, I'm mean, like I'll throw O'Shea Brissett into a DFS lineup and see what happens. But I'm just I'm not convinced he's healthy himself. Yeah, he's he's sidelined right now. So I think if something that if he were to be announced as questionable before their next game, that may be the time where you roll the dice on picking him up. Like, yeah, you hope he doesn't get ruled out eventually, but at that point, you might as well go for it because like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Pacers really don't have any healthy guys right now in the front court. So, yeah, if his status upgrades, go ahead and get him. All right, Ralph, last one from Dav 2099. In a shallow roadily, given the poor upcoming schedules for Atlanta and Brooklyn, how would you rank these guys to roster right now? Again, Nick Claxton, who seems to be the theme of this entire podcast, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Alperin Shangun. Rough. looking at the schedules for those guys, apparently my Atlanta Hawks have a bad schedule coming up. Uh, Atlanta goes three games next week and then two, two, three, four, four. I mean, it's not terrible. I've seen worse. They're in the middle of a four-game week. So they've probably got two games. They have three games left this week. We talked about that. So Bogdan for this week is good to go. He still has Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, I think, something like that. Um, Shingun, two games next week. I'm kind of out on him, and I think Claxton's a hold. Mm-hmm. Rob, are you in the same boat? I'd actually rank them exactly how how the how Dave has them listed in his question here. Be honest with you. I think with Claxton, the potential for block shots is why I would take him slightly over Bogdanovich. And then 
Shangun, he should see more minutes, but like you mentioned with the schedule, that that's probably why he'd be a non-starter for me in terms of picking him up. Now, if you want to, if you want to roll with Bogdanovich through this week, mm-hmm. through this weekend, and then look at making a move for somebody else, I'm I'm cool with that. But I do feel like Bogey's going to have a good stretch for the Hawks. Um, he's starting to play well, and he's cool with coming off the bench or starting, and he's he does well at both both places. So. All right, Ralph, we hit 50 minutes. We don't want to kill our editors. Uh, <laughs> thanks, y'all, for being here and checking us out. We'll be here again next Thursday. Ralph and I will be. I'll be here Friday with Jonas and everybody's favorite podcast host, Matt Straup. And Matt and I will be here by ourselves on Monday as well. I think we might have a guest coming in on Monday. We had uh, Brian Rosenworcel from the band Guster on Monday. He's always hilarious. Uh, You should go check that out if you missed it. Uh, Ralph and I had Bob Rathman on last week. I'm not sure what guests we're looking at for next week, but I think we're going to have one maybe on Monday. So, Ralph, have a great weekend and uh, thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you, too. Thanks, guys. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.